Shabbat Shalom, I think I'm live. You've got the nasal cam. Can you tell me if I'm live there in the chat? Can you tell me if I'm live in the chat? Yes, let's see. Let me get, let me try and, all right. You're live. I'm live. Okay. We're going to give um, everybody a, a massive thank you for being so patient, so patient. Internet problems today, internet problems with our router. So um, we're live and um, give me a second here to get organized because I'm a little disheveled. Shabbat shalom and greetings to the 12 tribes scattered abroad. Hopefully you've got good sound and um, you can hear me. I've got my nasal cam and I've got the, uh, the little mic here, but it'll have to work today. So um, let's see. Are we definitely live? I need a little bit more confidence. Somebody please help me out. Give me, give me definitely lives in the chat because I do not trust this setup. Okay, allegedly I am. Yes, we've got yes, 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 we're live. I've got three. All right. All right. Thumbs up. Here we go, guys. Baruch Hashem Yahuwah. Well, we are finally live, and we are in Torah portion. Excuse the nasal cam. We are in Torah portion, Korah, today. Korah. And what this is about today is the rebellion against Moshe and Aaron. How does this apply to us today? Because this is all about Korah's non-acceptance, non-acceptance of Moshe and Aaron's appointment. And because they did not accept Yahuwah's ordination of their position, it resulted in dishonor. Because here is a principle, and this is a principle that will either enable us to survive and thrive when it comes to Mystery Babylon, or go down with her as she goes down in a day. And that is, acceptance brings forth honor. Non-acceptance brings forth dishonor and destruction. It's a principle in life that I see throughout the Bible that I've learned in my life. And today we're going to see that because Korah would not accept Moshe and Aaron's position, it enabled him to go down to destruction because he dishonored their appointment. Of course, all of those of the tents of Korah went down as the ground opened up. And what happened? A plague went out to the whole congregation of Israel. And the only way that it was stopped was through the throwing down of a censer. Well, isn't that what happens in Revelation? And then when you read in Revelation, when it says, come out of her, my people, lest you partake of her plagues. Because in the end times, when mystery Babylon goes down, all of those in non-acceptance and dishonor will partake of her plagues. But there will be a people that have learned 
acceptance and honor, and they will be the people that are able to navigate how to come out of mystery Babylon successfully in this day and in this time. So let's delve into this Torah portion without further ado. Now, Korah, of course, means to be made bold, to be made bold. Now, this is all about, like I say, the Torah of acceptance and honor or non-acceptance and dishonor. Korah is truly the root that is not dealt with is going to manifest. When we don't deal with our own junk, that root will manifest. If we do not accept and if we do not honor the life that Yahuwah has given us, it will manifest itself through non-acceptance and dishonor, which is a rebellion of Korah. Non-acceptance and dishonoring in this Torah portion of who Moshe and Aaron were appointed by Yahuwah to be. Acceptance and honor place the contractual obligation back on the presenter, releasing you and I from all controversy and judgment. Think about that. Think about that for a minute. I'll repeat that because it is profound if you can comprehend or understand what I'm saying. Acceptance and honor place the contractual obligation back on the presenter, releasing you and I from all controversy and judgment. And there is a controversy in Mystery Babylon right now. And people are arguing, they're fighting, they're not accepting rulings and judgments. They are dishonoring the presentments from the high court. They are refusing to accept it. And this is all part of the controversy of Mystery Babylon. And those that do that will end up going down into the pit like Korah and a plague will come after them, as we see in Revelation chapter 20 with Mystery Babylon. Our coming out of Mystery Babylon is not only spiritual, but firstly, it is a physical act of how we structure ourselves. Because Mystery Babylon is the public, and we as the children of Israel, are to live in the private. And by doing that, we are able to come out of her, my people. And it's that simple in life. It's that simple in life. Acceptance, honor, stay out of the public controversy. You never want to enter into a public controversy and structure your life totally privately. And you and I, when we do that, we will be able to weather the upcoming storm. And it's going to be a storm beyond measure that this country, this world has never seen. A storm which is 
ultimately end up in the downfall of mystery Babylon. Now, dishonoring any presentment, any charge, absolutely anything that has your name on it will end up with you being in dishonor. If you argue about it, if you fight about it, if you enter into the public controversy about it, you automatically are in dishonor. If anything is presented with to you and it has your name on it, you have three things, three options of what you can do. Number one, you can ignore it or destroy it. It's the same thing. That's a dishonor. Number two, you can argue. You can get yourselves into a controversy. That's a dishonor. Or number three, you can accept it and return it, and you will be in honor. And that places the contractual obligation on the person that presented it to you to deal with it. And you are released at that point because then you're back in the equitable realm of Yahuwah's kingdom where Yahusha teaches us to live. So this Torah Pasha, it features a rebellion which is dishonor by Korah, a non-priest Levite against the honorable priestly status of Ahron and his line. They argue the facts. They argue the law, the Torah. They argue the jurisdiction. They argue the venue that has been allotted to Aaron or anybody as a priestly class that would outrank the Levites. There was their downfall. Dathan, Abiram, and On were descended from Reuben. They would have represented Moshe's leadership, and they encamped to the south alongside the Kohathites. They were neighbors of Korah. And what does it say in the Proverbs? Woe to the wicked and woe unto his neighbor. Be careful who you camp about. Be careful who you associate yourselves with. Because if you associate yourselves with people of low energy, then your energy will become low. Be careful of who you associate yourselves with. Now, the whole vexing in this Torah portion should have been responded to how? In honor. They should have accepted, Korah should have accepted Moshe's position. Korah should have accepted Achron's position. And Korah would have been found in honor. But instead, by the non-acceptance, he ended up in dishonor. And the ramifications were what? Hell. And some people, you know, the traditional Jews would say, there's no hell in Torah. That's a Christian concept. Oh, well, right here in this Torah portion, we see very much hell in Torah. What's the definition of hell? Isn't it? Of course, we know it's the burning fires south of Jerusalem, which was a metaphor for the what? Underworld and the ground opening up and swallowing a person down alive to their destruction, the opening of the earth, the underworld. So please, please don't tell me there's no hell in Torah. 
But a side note on health, a side note on health, and I pose a question to you. Do you believe in the eternal soul? Put it up in the chat. Do you believe in the eternal soul? Put it up in the chat right now. Who believes in the eternal soul? Or should I say that all created souls, regardless of salvation, are eternal souls? We've got some yeses. Or is eternal, as in an eternal soul, only available through the Creator Yahuwah and through the mediation of His Son? Wayfaring farmer does not believe in the eternal soul. Larry Peterson does not believe in the eternal soul. Connie Smith says, yes, she does indeed believe in the eternal soul. So we're divided, aren't we? Put it this way, brethren. Do you believe in the eternal soul regardless of the state of the soul? So we've got some yeses, we've got some noes. I like it. This is a good conversation to have. Why do I ask that? Because the side note here is hell and destruction. Because I was taught in the Church of England that those that came to salvation would live for eternity. But those that didn't come to salvation would burn in hell for eternity. Therefore, whoever propagated that belief, that doctrine, believes what is called in the eternal soul. Regardless of salvation, the soul will live for eternity, either in the Shamayim, heaven, or live for eternity in hell. In my humble opinion, there is no eternal burning hell. I do not believe in the doctrine of the eternal soul. Because I believe that eternal life is only found in the Son. Because eternal life only originates with the Creator Yahweh and was brought forth to mortal man through the redemptive work of the Son. Outside of the Son, there is no life. The doctrine of the eternal soul was a Grecian pagan doctrine that got co-opted into the faith by the Nicene fathers at the Council of Nicaea and has been propagated by the Catholicos and the Protestants for centuries, for millennia. But it is Grecian and pagan in origin. The damned soul, brethren, the damned soul, in my humble opinion, put it up here if you disagree with me. It's okay to disagree with me. I disagree with myself on a daily basis. But in my humble opinion, the damned soul is burnt in hell for a set time determined by Yahuwah to meet out the measure of justice required and then the soul 
ceases to exist. It is destroyed because ultimately hell is destroyed in the lake of fire. Let's have you up in the chat. So far, we, when I last looked at the chat, some of you were saying, yes, you believed in the eternal soul. Some of you were saying, no, you do not believe in the eternal soul. I would align myself with the belief of not believing in the eternal soul, and I just showed you why I believe that. I believe it's a myth. I believe it's a Grecian myth. But a very relevant scripture that you may question and go, Matthew, you're wrong, you're wrong, would be Revelation chapter 20 and verse 10. Let me read it to you. And the devil that deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone where the beast and the false prophet are. And they shall be tormented day and night forever and ever. Well, that sounds like eternity, doesn't it? Forever and ever. Ah, but first, in my humble opinion, isn't this talking about spiritual entities? Isn't this talking about the devil, the beast, and the false prophet? Not mere men. And secondly, if you look, the Greek word that's being used here, forever and ever, is the Greek word, Greek number 165, aeon, which comes from Hebrews, Hebrew word H5956, olam. And traditionally, in Judaism, they say olah means for eternity. But if you look up Hebrews Strong's number H5956, it means to be properly concealed. That is, to a vanishing point, as if you had gone over an horizon. Generally, time out of mind, past or future, that is practically, in effect, eternity. So it doesn't literally mean forever and ever. It's a point out of time, out of mind. It could mean eternity, but it's not limited to that. I believe that hell gets thrown into the lake of fire and is destroyed. And I believe that the damned soul is thrown into hell and meted out punishment for a set time according to Yahuwah's purpose, and then that soul is destroyed and ceases to exist. I do not believe in an eternal soul outside of Yahusha. So what do you think on that, brethren? Put that up in the chat. Put that up in chat. While I take a sip. on this very live, live of live streams with the nasal cam, with the pretty colors, and just off a laptop. But hey, hopefully you're still with me today. Carrie totally agrees with me. Well, thank you. At least one person. Angelo, amen. Nika, scriptural, child of Yah, agrees. Much more truth. Hell is the fire trash pit of the New Jerusalem. Literally, yes. But, of course, we're talking about the spiritual ramifications of that allegory and metaphor. Carrie Burkhart agrees with me. Oh, I like it when people agree with me. 
You're not in 4K, but I'm following. What does that mean, Crystal LaRosa? Libby Tube, well said at Torah to the Tribes. Okay, now I'm feeling more confident. Thank you, Libby, reassuring me from down south there. Well, let me continue on. Let me continue on. That was just a side note. Just pondered that and thought, you know, I need to bring this up because that whole eternal soul doctrine is, you know, needs to be tapped out. Let's go back to the Torah portion. Let's look at Reuben. Reuben, of course, was the firstborn, and he's been replaced by the Levites. Well, that's a bit of a controversy, isn't it? Don't you think a little bit of vexing was happening right there? Of course, Reuben, the firstborn, being replaced by the Levites and by the sons of Joseph. Korah was the firstborn of the secondborn. <laughs> Son of Izhar. There you go, more vexing. You see, you've got like kind after like kind. You've got two groups that are in dishonor. Two groups that are in dishonor. Number one, you have Korah, who by his non-acceptance of the priesthood goes into dishonor. And then number two, you've got Dathan and Abiram, who were looking for earthly carnal pleasure. They wanted to dishonor themselves, which would lead to destruction or non-acceptance of who they were truly created to be. When you and I don't accept who Yahweh created us to be, holy, set apart for his purpose, then we end up in dishonor. And we dishonor ourselves. We can dishonor our very lives when we do not fulfill his purpose through non-acceptance. You can see I'm passionate about this subject. In Jude, it says, by dreaming, they defile the flesh. They do not accept non-acceptance of authority. Who dishonor the things which they do not understand. These are the very people, or like unto the people, that perished in Korah's rebellion. Korah is identified with dishonor and non-acceptance turning Yahweh's grace into indecency. He defiled himself. He had a lack of understanding. It's an account of two fathers and two destinies, one destined to, earn, to honor and another destined to dishonor. Well, what will we choose? They chose it. What will we choose? Because we have the greatest challenge, I believe, of any generation that's ever lived on this earth. And it's all revolving around Mystery Babylon, which is a creature of dishonor. It's a creature of non-acceptance. Mystery Babylon does not accept you and I as living souls. Mystery Babylon does not accept Yahuwah's 
Torah as the ultimate law. Mystery Babylon does not accept the Father. Mystery Babylon does not accept the Son. Mystery Babylon does not accept the Torah of Moses. And Mystery Babylon is a dishonorable creature. Mystery Babylon thrives on contracting with fallen man to be a partakers of dishonor, rebellion, and iniquity. And by so doing, they shall partake of her plagues. And we are going to see that plague come upon this world in our generation in one day. I believe that day is coming soon. I believe that day is coming soon. Did you know, though, brethren, that the Ruach HaKodesh, the Holy Spirit, in, of course, the Septuagint and in the, the literature that was communicated to the Greeks, Hokma in the Hebrew, wisdom, or Sophia, Sophia in the Greek, in the Septuagint. Wisdom, Sophia, she determines who you are assigned. And sometimes, brethren, this is tough. I've discovered this myself. Sometimes you and I are assigned to collide into chaos. Sometimes you and I are assigned to collide into dishonorable people. Sometimes you are assigned a trial by fire to see whether you will accept it and come out refined and honorable or whether you will argue and fight against it and come out in dishonor and find yourselves in rags and tatters. I used to, brethren, I used to think that fighting and arguing was a sign of strength because I was like a scrappy dog backed into a corner. And you know what? I was raised. If, if you come at me, then it's on. We're going to fight. And that's being tough. But as I've matured, I've found that I only ended up doing harm to myself. And now, in my years now, with the gray hairs coming in, I've learned not to fight, not to argue, and never to enter into a public controversy. I've learned acceptance and honor, and it's changed my life, my life, life-changing ramifications. I do believe, and my wife doesn't like it when I say this, but this is my belief. She doesn't believe this. But I believe that there are pockets of chaos in this world. And I believe that's due to sin. Physics would back me up. There is randomness in this world. And there are pockets of chaos due to sin. And sometimes bad things happen to good people. 
Sometimes bad things happen to honorable people. Why do the good die young? Why do the saints die young and the wicked seem to prosper? Sometimes honorable people get caught up in chaos because there are pockets of chaos all over this created world as a result of sin. And Yahuwah allows that chaos to exist because it is a consequence of sin. And he's not going to get rid of it until the kingdom comes. But we then are tested to see how we will navigate the chaos. Will we accept it and be honorable? Or will we not accept it and fight against it like an atom banging against another atom? There are random things that happen in this world. And sometimes you and I will collide into chaos and dishonorable people. What will you and I do then? Yahweh has chosen living souls, Chaim, living nefesh, souls, to go through this experience that we call life to see if we will stand in honor at the judgment. That's it. That's it. If we cannot accept, we will go into dishonor and no soul or body will be left when you're in dishonor. In Malachi, in the fourth chapter, it is written, For behold, the day is coming burning like a firepot, and all the proud and every doer of wickedness shall be chaff. And the coming day will set them ablaze, says Yahuwah Sevot, which will not leave root or branches to them. In the third verse of Malachi, the fourth chapter, it is written, the righteous, those in honor, those that accept it, shall trample those of non-acceptance in dishonor, the wicked. For they shall be ashes under the soles of your feet in the day in which I am preparing, says Yahuwah Sevot. Remember the Torah of Moshe, my servant, which I commanded to him in Choreb for all Israel. This is a powerful verse. Living in dishonor, brethren, it brings forth depression. Depression is proof of Sophia, Chokmah, wisdom, the Ruach HaKodesh's withdrawal from your life. She is the comforter, yet those in dishonor find comfort in lasciviousness. It's a big word for me today, right? Lasciviousness. <laughs> dishonor brings forth depression, repression, and oppression. They're all interconnected. 
dishonoring other souls, dishonoring other souls, regardless of their salvation, salvific state, souls that Yahuwah created, brings forth depression, oppression. Dishonoring mystery Babylon's commercial reality. Dishonoring our bodies with what we eat, with what we drink, with our sexual appetites, self-abuse. Dishonoring our minds with what we look at, what we read, what we watch, what we think on. Mystery Babylon, like I said, she exists, she thrives upon dishonor. She thrives upon dishonor. And brethren, do you see dishonor everywhere? And do you see non-acceptance everywhere? We just had the high court ruling last week. This whole country, the world about, there is non-acceptance of that rule, which has now brought dishonor on those that could not accept it. Dishonor, brethren, is everywhere. One president can't even honor another president. What about the office? What about the office? You can't even have a sitting president honor a past sitting president. They dishonor one another. You can't have one senator Speak without dishonoring another senator. We are living in the days of Rome. This is what happened in the, with the senators of Rome. Do you not read your history? Do you not see? Can you not hear? Can you not see? We are living in this amazing time. Just as when the Romans were experiencing the very downfall of Rome. But we are in the last age. And we will see, I believe, Mystery Babylon's downfall in a day. One state won't even honor another state. Do you realize that the public bodies, because they can only operate in the public, they can't tell the private what to do, but those that are public bodies in the state of California, they're not allowing those people that contract with public bodies to go to other states like Idaho. Why? Because they don't like and they have not accepted Idaho's position on last week's ruling. So one state doesn't even honor another state within the union. Dishonor abounds even between states, between governors, between presidents, between senators, and it's coming from the top down, the bottom up, because this is mystery Babylon, and she thrives upon it. The more contention and controversy that she can create, the more havoc and the more dishonor in the mind in the eyes, in the ears, in the thinking, in the speech, everywhere. And that brings depression. That brings oppression. That brings suicide. And that results in death. Do you not see it? This is the rebellion of Korah. 
This is the rebellion of Korah in the last days that was spoken of in the book of Jude. But there's a remedy. Brethren, there is a remedy. But you'll have to open your Catholic Bible or your Septuagint to find it. Because it isn't in the traditional King Jemmy. And it's certainly not in your blooming NIV. And it's certainly not in your bacon, lettuce, and tomato. Your NLT or your BLT or whatever they call it. The remedy is the book of wisdom. So if you've got your Septuagint handy or your Catholic Bible, then open it up right now to what's called the Apocrypha. Because we're going to go to the book of wisdom. The book of wisdom. The wisdom of Solomon. It's a Jewish work. And it was written in Greek and written in, in Alexandria, Egypt, in the mid-first century before the Common Era. And it's about balancing spiritual wisdom, brethren, with natural wisdom. Too long in the church, it was all spiritual, and I couldn't live a holy life. Because it was all about the rapture and going to heaven in the midst of me trying to deal with sin and iniquity from my past and wanting to live a holy, just, righteous life in a sick and twisted world. We need practical life before we can get spiritual. First, you do the natural so that you can understand the spiritual, not the other way round. Not the other way round. How do you teach a child? First, the natural then the spiritual, building blocks. So a building block, the book of wisdom, spiritually, but the building block called the book of wisdom, and I advise you get this, is Burton's legal thesaurus. That's called the book of wisdom in how to operate with Mystery Babylon in commerce and thrive. That's called the Book of Wisdom in the natural realm is Burton's legal thesaurus. Now, the Book of Wisdom in the spiritual realm, we're going to go there now. And of course, we have the Proverbs, the Book of Wisdom in the regular Bible. But here we've got the wisdom of Solomon. And when you can mesh these two books with acceptance and honor, you will become, brethren, aware of the matrix of mystery Babylon and you will be compelled to perform because there's two, there's two realms at war here. S.A. Tan, using mystery Babylon, who is compelling you to perform for her. And Yahuwah, Using Hokmah, wisdom, Sophia, who is compelling you to perform for him. Two divergent laws. The law of the statutory law merchant, that is international admiralty and maritime in nature, as opposed to the Torah of Yahuwah, which is equitable, which is holy, which is just, which is right, 
which is pure. Vying for your living soul. Most are being compelled to perform for the statutory law merchant because there's a ton of benefits and privileges that are trappings associated with it. Whereas with the other, Yahweh and his Torah, there is what? Denial of self. Denial of the lusts of the flesh. Denial of controversy. Denial of the carnality and the vexing of life. Because, as we now delve into the book of wisdom, the wisdom of Solomon is shown as the perfection of knowledge. Remember, come out of her, my people, that ye be not partakers of her sins and that ye not receive her plagues. Revelation 18, verse 4. But that is being pulled from where? This week's Torah portion. Numbers chapter 16, verse 49. Now they that died in the plague were 14,700 beside them that died about the matter of Korah. The plague originated in Korah's rebellion. It was a plague of non-acceptance and dishonor. And again, we find it manifest in the rebellion of Korah in the last days with a plague in Revelation 18.4 by those that are not compelled to perform for Yahuwah but were compelled to perform for Mystery Babylon will be destroyed. Those that are compelled to perform for Yahuwah will come out of her, my people. It's all about, it's all about compelled performance, brethren. It's all about compelled performance. The book of wisdom is shown as the perfection of knowledge of the righteous. The knowledge of the righteous as a gift from Yahuwah that shows itself in action, brethren, in action, in direct relation to Yahuwah. Wisdom is with Yahuwah and she's been with, with Yahuwah for all eternity. It is included, the Book of Wisdom of Solomon, in the Dutra canonical books by the Catholic Church, those which are read also by the Eastern Orthodox Church. But we would consider this book part of the Apocrypha. Now, it's interesting because the judges of the earth the judges of the earth in which we live right now, that operate in the international, admiralty, maritime, and commercial realm under the law of the statutory law merchant, they know the difference between honor and dishonor. Why do you think they're called your honor? Because it's all about honor. And most people argue or go get themselves somebody that's going to sell them up the river and file and argue for them, which always results in dishonor. Regardless, the outcome's always bad. 
That's why they're called your honor, because they're usually the only ones that can stay in honor. Because they're operating within a closed vacuum. But what happens when Yahweh's kingdom collides with Mystery Babylon? Who's going to be victorious? Yahweh and his people. 99% of the time? No. All the time. Can you say that? How much of the time? All means all means all. All of the time. All of the time. Because the judges of the earth know the difference between dishonor and honor. Why do you think they like to be called your honor or the honorable? In the book of wisdom, the wisdom of Solomon in chapter 1, I'm going to read it now. So turn with me. Love justice, you that are the judges of the earth. Think of the Lord in goodness and seek him in simplicity of heart. Now in wisdom, in the fourth verse of the first chapter, it says, Wisdom will not enter into a malicious soul, nor dwell in a body subject to sins. You wonder why we had no wisdom when we were dishonoring ourselves? We were living in the carnality of our flesh? And you wonder why. When you look out at Mystery Babylon right now, and your people, you're like, why, what, why, how could they believe such insanity? Because they have no wisdom. Why? Because they're in sin and dishonoring their bodies, their minds, and therefore they are unable to have wisdom, Sophia, Hokma, dwell within them. Wisdom will not enter into a malicious soul, nor dwell in a body subject to sins. Think about that. In the 11th verse of the Wisdom of Solomon, Keep yourselves therefore from murmuring, which profiteth nothing, and refrain your tongue from detraction. For an obscure speech shall not go for naught. And the mouth that belieth killeth the soul. Words speak life or death is in the power of the tongue. We have to honor all souls regardless of their destiny. Because otherwise we're entering into a controversy which will result in dishonor. Depression and suicide are the byproducts of dishonor. In the 12th verse, the wisdom of Solomon. Seek not death in the error of your life. Neither procure ye destruction by the works of your hands. Those that have dishonored their bodies, their minds, their souls, that have no wisdom, they lose hope, and then they commit suicide because they think they've wrecked their lives. This is what's written about in the book of wisdom. Seek not death in the error of your life. Because with wisdom, Sophia, there's always hope. But without Sophia, there is no hope. Do you see this? Our society since 2020, the suicide rate, this has been a pandemic 
of mental health proportions, depression and suicide all around, and then people devouring their flesh because they are without hope, without wisdom, without understanding. This is the setup that Mystery Babylon has created because she thrives upon it. And she thrives upon it and is compelling all to perform to her dishonor. Verse 13 of the first chapter of the Wisdom of Solomon. For God made not death, neither hath he pleasure in the destruction of the living. You see, this is powerful. Read the first chapter of the Wisdom of Solomon in your own time. Now in chapter 2, verse 1, it says thus, For they have said, reasoning with themselves, but not right. The time of our life is short and tedious. So now this is the unbeliever, okay? In chapter 2, Solomon's going to encapsulate what the unbeliever thinks about you and me. And their whole reasoning is not based upon Torah. It's not based upon anything that is sound. And this is what you're seeing in the world today. What is their reasoning based upon? Themselves. That's, un that's unstable. I can't reason based upon my own self because the heart of man is deceitfully wicked. Who can trust it? But you see, these, this modern world, it reasons based upon itself. And what does that bring? Non- acceptance and dishonor. It's not right. The time of, this is what they say. Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 1. For they have said, reasoning with themselves, but not right, the time of our life is short and tedious. And in the end of man, there is no remedy. This is what they believe. So now you can see why they're acting the way they're acting. They don't believe that there is any remedy. We have a remedy. They don't believe there's any remedy. And they believe that they have to reason. And the reasoning comes from themselves. Well, our reasoning, like the Bereans, comes from the scriptures. It's stable. It's solid. It's a rock of our salvation. And they go on to say, And no man hath been known to have returned from hell. Korah certainly didn't return from hell. For we were born of nothing. And after this, we shall be as if we had not been. For the breath of our nostrils is smoke and speech, a spark to move our heart, which being put out, our bodies shall be ashes. You see, the wicked, those set for destruction, they know the truth of the prophet Malachi and the words that were just spoken to you in chapter 4 of Malachi. They know it. Our body shall be ashes, and our spirit shall be poured abroad as soft air, and our life shall pass away as the trace of a cloud, and shall be dispersed as a mist, which is driven away by the beams of the sun, and overpowered with the heat thereof. That sounds like hell to me, doesn't it, you? And our name in time shall be forgotten. Well, we know what happens to the names. They are what? Blotted out from the book of life. And no man shall have any remembrance of our works. 
Wisdom of Solomon, chapter 2, verse 5. For our time is as the passing of a shadow, and there is no, in, no going back to our end, for it is fast sealed and no man returneth. Come, therefore, this is what they think, let us enjoy the good things that are present, and let us speedily use the creatures as in our youth. Brethren, you and I are not to live how we lived in our youth. I speedily used the creatures in my youth. And it damaged me. And it haunts me still. But we can't do this as we become more mature and we grow in the faith. But they go on to say, in verse 7, let us fill ourselves with costly wine. That sounds like Johnny Depp. Let us fill ourselves with costly wine and ointments, and let not the flower of the time pass by us. Let us crown ourselves with roses before they be withered. Let no meadow escape our riot. What do we see right now? Riots, protests, no meadow will escape them, their riots and their protests. Verse 9, let none of us go without his part in luxury. What is that? That's called entitlement. That's entitlement, which is covetousness. Let us everywhere leave tokens of joy, for this is our portion, this is our lot. Let us oppress the poor just man and not spare the widow, nor honor the ancient gray hairs of the aged, but let our strength be the law of justice. So what is the unbeliever's strength? They erroneously believe. Their remedy is man. They erroneously believe that they can find remedy in the courts and law of man. And that's government. And they think that they will find justice in the courts of man. They truly, verse 1, reason within themselves. And because of that, they always end up in dishonor. Verse 12. Let us therefore lie in wait for the just. Because he is not of our turn. Now, this is telling you what Mystery Babylon, the unbelievers, all of those around today, this is what they think of you and I. And brethren, you will be tested to see if your faith is true. Are you really a legit believer or are you just spouting it off? Can you really stand? Because they're going to test you. We are going to be tested. This is what they think of us. Let us therefore lie in wait for the just, because he is not for our turn, and he is contrary to our doings. And he upbraideth us with the transgressions of the law. We compare them to the law of Moses, and we say, look, they, look what they're doing. And they know it, and they hate you because of it because you upbraideth them to the law of Moses. And it goes on to say, and divulgeth against us the sins of our way of life. You call them out that their lifestyle is sinful and they hate you 
for it. They despise you for it. They won't accept your beliefs. They won't accept your Elohim. They won't accept your Torah. And then it goes on to say this, verse 13, He boasteth that he hath knowledge of God and calleth himself the Son of God. He has become a censorer of our thoughts. That's what they believe of the righteous. We've become a censorer of their thoughts. He is grievous unto us, even to behold, for his life is not like other men's, and his ways are very different. We are esteemed by him as triflers, and he abstaineth from our ways as from filthiness, and he preferreth the latter end of the just, and glorifieth that he hath God for his father. So the heathen, those that love mystery Babylon, they're saying, you don't partake of their filthiness. You believe that you have a latter end that is destined in the creator Yahuwah. And they don't believe that. You and I will be tested. And the pain, brethren, it's in the process. That's why they call them process servers. The pain is in the process. You have to accept it. And when you accept it, your life is just increased abundantly through the refiner's fire. How is silver and gold refined? It accepts the fire. It accepts the chaos of the flames. And it comes out better because that which pollutes it is burnt and destroyed. You would never want it, but once you have it, you are glad of it. Sometimes the process might take a month. Sometimes it may take a year. Sometimes it may take a decade, but the pain is in the process. Accept the process and go through it for however Yahweh determines how long it will be, it will be. It is not for us to determine these things. We just accept it and go through the process and we accept the pain because the pain is where the remedy is. It's a refiner's fire. Just as pain allows us to be transformed, fire transforms metals into pure silver and gold. In verse 17, it says, Let us see then if his words be true. They're going to set you before kings. They're going to set you before princes. They're going to set you before judges. And they're going to see if your words match your life. They're going to see if your written words, if your vocal words match. They're going to see if you can stand on your beliefs. This is what they say. Let us see then if his words be true and let us prove what shall happen to him and we shall know what his end shall be. For if he be the true son of God, he will defend him and will deliver him from the hand of his enemies. 
Let us examine him by outrages and tortures that we may know his meekness and try his patience. Many of us will be thrown into prison for 10 days. That's usually how long you'll get for contempt of court. Will you be able to go through the process? The pain is in the process. Or will you capitulate to Mystery Babylon? Will you be compelled to perform for her so that you don't have to experience pain now, but you'll experience it for as long as Yahweh determines in hell? Choose this day who you will serve. Don't look with your eyes. Don't hear with your ears. But see Chokma, wisdom, Sophia, let the spiritual wisdom come in that you're able to discern, accept, and honor. Verse 19, chapter 2 of the wisdom of Solomon. Let us examine him with outrage. Know his meekness and try his patience. Let us him to a most shameful death. For there shall be respect had unto him by his words. These things they thought. These things they thought and were deceived. For their own malice, it blinded them. And they knew not the secrets of God, nor hoped for the wages of justice, nor esteemed the honor of holy souls. For God created man incorruptible. And to the image of his own likeness he made him. But... But by the envy of the devil, death came into the world, and they follow him that are of his side. That's the first two chapters of the wisdom of Solomon. Read it in your own time. Meditate on it. It's all about honor and dishonor. And it shows you how those in dishonor view you in honor. It applies to Mystery Babylon. And it applies to this week's Torah portion. These are things that I've been pondering as I was reading, reading about Korah. And of course, we know that Korah was the grandson of Kohath. And he began this whole desert conspiracy with another group of Reubenites, malcontents, namely Dathan and Abiram, sons of Iliab and On, son of Peleth, in dishonor they roused a group of 250 men together to challenge the honor of Moses and Aaron to the priesthood in Numbers chapter 16. And we find in Jude 3, this is what is written. And I'll finish up here because my battery's dying. Brethren, we must earnestly contend for the faith which was once for all time delivered to the saints. For there are certain men who slipped in secretly, who were before old ordained to this condemnation. Wicked men turning the favor of our Elohim into indecency and dishonor, and denying the only master Elohim and our master Yahushua HaMashiach. I will therefore put you in remembrance, though you once knew this, how that the master Yahweh, having saved the people out of the land of Egypt, afterward destroyed them that believe not. So people, think about this. People were saved by the blood of the lamb, but they were still destroyed afterward. How? Because somehow they went into dishonor. 
somehow they went into dishonor. Verse 8, these filthy dreamers, they defile the flesh, they reject authority, and they speak evil of his glory. They dishonor their bodies, they dishonor authority, and they speak evil of his glory. By what they know naturally as unreasoning beasts. Didn't we read in the first chapter of Solomon that their their reasoning comes from themselves, which is therefore an unreasoning beast. And you see these people out here, and they are operating in the beast nature. They are operating in the beast nature. It's violent. It's criminal. It's carnal. It's debauchery. It's everywhere. It's everywhere. It's the culture. In those things, they corrupt themselves. They dishonor themselves. Woe to them, for they have gone in the way of Cain, and they have ran with greed after the delusion of Balaam for a reward, and they have perished in the rebellion of Korah. The rebellion of Korah in the last days is those that are being compelled today, right now, They are being compelled to perform for Mystery Babylon. Now, the nexus of Mystery Babylon is the social security number that ties you into that whole matrix. So think about that. Think about that. That's the only number that they always want so that you can get benefits and privileges. That's the only number that ties you into that matrix. Think about that. There's another way to live. Soon, soon, brethren, you're going to see this be manifest in a day, in a day. I'll finish up in Matthew chapter 7, verse 21. For not everyone that says to me, Master, Master, shall enter with me into the kingdom of heaven, but he that does the will of my Father who is in the heavens. A great many will say to your name, well, we have cast out demons. And in your name, we've done many wonderful signs and wonders. And then I will profess them, I never knew you. Depart from me, you that work Torahlessness. You that work Torahlessness. There is so much to think about here. Who are the people in rebellion? And who are they in rebellion against? Our text defined is, you refuse to honor the teachings of Moses? Well, you're in rebellion. Well, there's a whole group of people out there, isn't there, that refuse to honor the law of Moses. Well, that's a rebellion. And that's rebellion against Yahweh. It's that simple. And the reason people fall into dishonor is what? Wisdom, chapter 2, verse 1, reasoning with themselves, but not right. What was the excuse of why we don't keep Shabbat? Oh, well, it's Sunday. What's the reasoning why we don't keep kosher? Oh, well, reasoning with themselves. Because if you actually led these people to the scripture, then they would fight tooth and nail, hook and crook with you over verse and chapter because their reasoning was coming from themselves rather than like the Bereans. Non-acceptance of the word of Yahweh. 
non-acceptance of his Torah, acceptance for them of another law, the Nicene Creed, Mystery Babylon's laws. You see the divergent life in which we live, the choices in which we must make? Oh, there's so much to teach, so much to say. I'll finish up. I said I'd finish up earlier, didn't I? I'll, I'll say it again. Turn with me to Hebrews chapter 10 and verse 26. And then I'll take some questions in your chat. Hebrews 10, 26. If we sin willfully, that means if we transgress Torah deliberately, that's defined in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14, what sin is. Sin is violation of the Torah. Right? So if we transgress Torah willfully, as defined, not by my reasoning, but by reasoning in the word, that word sin is defined in 1 John chapter 3, verse 14. Not my words, Yahuwah's word. Not my reasoning, his reasoning. After that we have received the knowledge of the truth, or what's the knowledge of the truth? Yahusha, I am the way, the truth, and the life. I am the way, the truth, and the light. Then what happens? Well, there remains no more sacrifice for sins. Meaning you could have been in Egypt, you could have been covered by the blood of the Lamb, you could have come out of Egypt, and still ended up in dishonor and rebellion, and the earth swallow up and devour you. Korah. Korah partook of the Passover. He was covered by the blood of the Lamb. He was baptized, immersed through the Red Sea, 1 Corinthians 10, yet he still descended into hell. Mm, this is not a very, very popular Christian church teaching, Matthew. Oh, this goes against all of my Nicene doctrine. Well, it does, doesn't it? Because we're not reasoning with the pastor's mind here. We're reasoning within the word of Yahweh, not ourselves. In Hebrews chapter 10, verse 27, but there is a certain fearful anticipation of judgment and fire which shall devour his enemies. Verse 28, anyone who has rejected or sets aside Moshe's Torah dies. Now, don't be deceived by the New International Version that changes it into past tense and says died. Oh, back then in the old days, you know, back in the days of the law, they died. No, 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 no. No, no, don't do that. Because the Greek word here is apethnesko. Apethnesko. And it means about to die. It's ongoing. It is not in the past tense. The NIV is a willful mistranslation to deceive the flock. It says, anyone who has rejected or sets aside Moshe's Torah dies in the New Testament without mercy under two or three witnesses. How much more worse punishment do you think he shall deserve who has trampled underfoot the son of Yahuwah? You see, when you start to kick out the Torah, you kick out the teachings and instructions that uphold the sacrifice of Yahusha. Because if you don't have the Torah instructions to uphold the sacrifice of Yahusha, then Yahusha was just another innocent man that got crucified by the Romans. But because the Torah upholds his sacrifice, 
we know that he is the son of Yahuwah and that he perfectly fulfilled everything in the Torah in relation to sacrifices, that he is the perfect, without sin, without spot or blemish, Lamb of Yahuwah. If you kick out the Torah of Moshe, then Yahusha is just another innocent man that got crucified. Too bad. Too bad. You see? You've got to be careful what Torah, what law you listen to. I'm kicking out Mystery Babylon. I'm not kicking out the Torah of Yahuwah. I'm aligning myself with Yahuwah, not Mystery Babylon. I am being compelled to perform by wisdom for Yahuwah each and every day. And I am being compelled more and more to turn from my wicked, wicked ways, myself and all of that life. Man, I mess myself up. I mess myself up, brethren. I mean, I just can't stand the fact that I mess myself up. Some of you never did. Man, I, I mean, I only messed myself up for 25 years, but it haunts me. The ramifications of sin, the ramifications that I still struggle with because I dishonored myself for 25 years. In every way, in every way, I know I have a remedy. I know I have a hope. Because if I didn't have a hope, I'd be suicidal. Which is what Mystery Babylon is all about. That's why everyone's suicidal. Because they have no hope, they have no faith. Praise Yahuwah, I'm not. Because I'm reborn. A man on a mission. A man full of hope. A man full of faith. A man who wants to live in honor and integrity. A man who accepts everything that is presented to me. If it's got my name on it, I'm accepting it and I'm honoring it. And then that places a contractual obligation on the other party to deal with it. I hope this teaching helped you because it really, really, as you can see, Help me. I didn't even finish. I've got three more verses to go. Verse 29. How much more worse a punishment do you think he shall deserve who has trampled underfoot the Son of Yahweh and has counted the blood of the covenant by which he was made holy, honorable, as a common thing and has insulted or dishonored the spirit of favor? That's Sophia. That's wisdom. That's the Holy Spirit. Brethren, in summation, anyone who lives as though Yahushua's blood was not effective in, confer in confirming the new covenant, meaning the teachings and instructions of the covenant, the Torah written on your heart, and the wisdom of Sophia, well, then you insult Sophia, and you are rejected. How? Because you refuse to let Sophia write the Malkitzedic New Covenant, which is Torah, written on your heart, a better place, by better blood, by better sacrifice, but it's still Torah. Be compelled to perform to Torah, and you shall live in honor. That's all I've got for you. 
And now we'll go into the chat. That's me doing it on a bit of a wing and a prayer today. So it may have been a rusty teaching. You know, I'm sh kind of shooting from the hip. My voice is uh, dry because I'm not properly mic'd up and I've had to yell. And so if I've been yelling, please forgive me. Um, it is because I have no concept of um, how this live stream actually sounds where usually I, I can hear it. And uh, all right, let's let me uh, let me get the chat. Here in studio, did it work? Did it work? All right, here we go. Here we go. Nicka Bragg, how do we exit the matrix by not performing for the matrix? Like I say, you know, think about it. The game of Monopoly was created just a couple of years after March 9th, 1933. And there's four, what, I think four tokens on Monopoly. And it's a real deal. Monopoly teaches you. Most people play Monopoly and um, they don't read the blooming instruction manual. How many of you played Monopoly and you don't read the instruction manual? Because you're all looking to go past free parking and pick up a few hundred bucks. Okay? That's the benefits and privileges that's being handed. Oh, I'm getting, oh, we got the free, oh, we got some more stimulus coming on free parking. In the meantime, I'm parked on England's Monopoly board. It's called Powell Mile or Park Avenue. You guys can mess around with the free parking. Moi, I'm taking all the commercial real estate in the high-end areas, and I'm structuring it properly in the private because I'm not playing with the stupid token anymore. The stupid token is the boot. It's the W-2. It's the social security number. It's the benefits and privilege token. It means you register things to your name. It means you operate totally in the public. Everything's on the public record, and it's the stupid token. And that's what they want you to play with. Now, there's other tokens that are a little better than the stupid token, the boot. You know, pretty good token is a limited liability company. You know, it's a much better token. An S-Corp is kind of a rubbish token. I used to think it was a good token. It's better than the boot, but it's not as good as a limited liability company. But there's the Rolls-Royce of tokens, brethren, which is the private irrevocable trust. Now this, you know, you don't want to get into these living trusts and you don't want to get into these statutory trusts. You've got to get into these foreign trusts, you see. Now that is the token that the elite plays with. That's the token that King Henry, because he was such a tyrant, that the people in England came up with that token because he kept on nicking their stuff. Well, Mystery Babylon is bankrupt. So all she can do is go after your stuff. But there is no money, so she places liens upon you. That's all she can do. And that happens by playing with the stupid token. So there's your answer. Stop playing with the boot. Sometimes it's going to take you a while. Okay? I used to play with the boot all the time. Then I decided to play with, I thought, a really good token, the S-Corp. It's a rubbish token. It's not as rubbish as the boot, but there are way better tokens that are now available to us. So 
we get into those tokens and then we keep them where they're supposed to be, in the private. And there you go, brethren. That's how you begin to interface with Mystery Babylon without partaking of her plagues. Okay? That's a bit of a, a quick overview for you, but there you go. How do we exit the matrix? Oh, what's that? Play Monopoly. Just play Monopoly. That's how you exit the matrix, okay? <laughs> oh my goodness gracious me, I need a cup of tea. Nika, is it Nika or Nika? Nika, my past still haunts me too. Well, when we meet one another, we shall pray with one another, for one another. Because I tell you what, but Yahweh is Yahweh's good, isn't he? Yahweh forgives you. I forgive you, brethren. I forgive you. I pray you forgive me. We're going to be singing and praying and rejoicing before Yahweh for eternity. And there's only a short time left. We are but a grass, a blade of grass, a flower. Here for a time. But it's so short. It goes so quickly. Let's live in acceptance and honor. Chris De La Rosa, glad the 2020 carnal man is gone. You've been bringing up edifying teachings to us. Keep up and know we hold up your arms like they did for Moshe. Thank you so much, Chris. That was a crazy thing, wasn't it, going through Revelation during the pandemic? <laughs> yeah, but you know, oh, goodness gracious me. Hallelujah. Baruch Hashem, Brenda. Brenda Robinson. I pray that you, Brenda, can make it to Sukkot. So enjoyed your teachings. And um, we just heard from the people at Sukkot this year, I'll make this announcement now, um, that we're going to be there for the whole of Sukkot, the full nine days. So we've got it. So please look at TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect and look at the calendar. Check out the dates because, you know, our calendar is different than most, you know, our loony calendar. And um, that offended some people. You have to accept it. You have to honor it and um, get ready for Sukkot. Come up to Oregon and in a few weeks, if I get organized, we'll have um, registration um, to our private event. It's private and it's um, a big camp. And it's actually a deaf camp. So they can't hear us anyway. So was that? That's no, true. And I offend some people, but it's true. In fact, I was watching the video on the, on, on, the, on the camp about the video, and I said to my wife, I said, it's got no sound. And she's like, Matthew, of course it doesn't have any sound. It's a, it's a deaf camp. I was like, oh, yeah, yeah. See, so, see how offensive I can be? Too bad. I don't care. I don't care. Because I'm living in the private and I don't care what the public think. So you public people can be offended all you want. I have the right to my own beliefs. And I have the right to say what the blooming Henry I want, when I want, where I want, to whoever I want. And you can go and climb a tree at the death camp. That's honorable. 
What's my favorite kind of tea? Oh, my favorite kind of tea is Yorkshire Gold. That's my favorite kind of tea. Yorkshire Gold's really good. Aaron, Sukkot will be intense. No, no, Aaron. Sukkot will be intense. That's that. I got that from my wife, you see, because she's the queen of puns. Mind you, Dane's pretty good at the puns, too, I've got to say. Don't get kicked out of the camp, Brenda Robinson. Thank you, Brenda. Thank you. Some of these righteous ladies keep me in line. That, that's, that's the truth. Brenda, of course, my beautiful wife, Miss Tamara. Libby does a great job, too. Keeping me humble, keeping me com keeping me toe in the line. Because, you know, I can get wild. Modesto, I haven't seen you in a while. Hope T4 is doing well. Lately, I've been drawn to research the heavenly host, the stars, the moon, the sun. But I am cautious of astrology. Any advice and warning? Keep on doing the research, Modesto, and realize that astronomy is legit and it's biblical. Astrology is like reading your blooming tea leaves when it comes to the signs and the seasons. Oh, well, I'm the sign of Libra, and that means that I'm going to fall in love when I'm 21 with... No, that's nonsense. That's called astrology. We don't believe in that nonsense. That's in the back of Vogue magazine, you know? That's for all the, the um, silly tokens, okay? So astronomy, check it out, because we'd like you to teach us about that. What's that um, software that you can look up? Stellarium. Stellarium. Check out Stellarium, Modesto, and keep on studying. Be cautious, but look at astronomy. There you go. <sighs> look at me go. The Zodiac. Thank you very much. Karen Long, horoscopes equal astrology, which is witchcraft. Exactly. But we are talking about astronomy. Uh, Eli, not Ellie. Eli, not Ellie. Don't look with your eyes to last week's good ruling. It's meant to take a whole list of medical privacies, paving way for the future. Of course it is. Of course it is. It's all part of the controversy giant killer. Then there's me and Kevin Niebling that push you out of line. No, you guys don't push me out of line. All right, brethren, I got to tell you, thank you so much for being patient today. Patience beyond belief for being faithful saints and servants. Give us some thumbs up. Subscribe to the ministry channel. Go to TorahToTheTribes.com forward slash connect. And we will try and update our software, update our internet connection, and figure this whole thing out. But you got the nasal cam today with the rusty, crackety voice, and you got me. I hope that you accept it, because <laughs> that's all I've got for you. Shabbat Shalom and Baruch Hashem Yahuwah.